You're listening to the Philly Young Adults Podcast. everyone. Welcome back to the Philly Young Adults Podcast. My name is Dan. It's great to be with you in one sense. And we've been doing this little series called Truth Bites, where we open the scriptures in bite sizes. And today, we're going to be reading the first psalm together. If you want to turn your Bibles, or if you're driving, I will read it to you. The book of Psalms is a personal favorite, and I want to give you a flavor of the book by reading Psalm chapter 1. The book in general is the most frequently quoted book in the New Testament, and Jesus himself quoted the Psalms often in his teachings, in his debates with Jewish leaders, in his final hours, and after his resurrection because it all speaks of him. In fact, there are only four books in the New Testament that don't quote the book of Psalms, and on top of that, it's used in the New Testament as either a direct quote or an illustration over 400 times. Now the book, if you don't know anything about it, it was meant to be sung and memorized. And it was the songbook of the people of God. We don't really have songbooks anymore. You used to go to church and under your seat there'd be a book and everyone would turn to the same number. Now we just put it up on the projector. But about the Psalms, Watke wrote that the book is to the wise about the king. So without further delay, let's receive some wisdom and read the first one and we'll analyze it together. First one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seats in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff, and the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Maybe you noticed, but as we read that, there are two ways that you could live your life. There's the way of the righteous, which is verse 1 through 3, and there's the way of the wicked, which is verse 4 through 6. And if you notice in your Bibles that the Lord knows both of these ways in verse 6. So verse 1 starts off similar to the Beatitudes of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, where it starts with the word blessed. Blessed presents this idea of divine favor. You could replace blessed with how favored. In fact, Kevin Young wrote that it's how good is the person to be described here. So therefore, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The person who has divine favor from God does not do what is listed in these verses. And there are three actions presented for us that we should not be doing. And it's walking, standing, and sitting. Now, the Bible here is not saying it's wrong to stand or to sit or to walk. The Bible is only like, you can only run. And you're like, but I hate running. That's not what it's saying here. It's saying here that sinful advice, counsel is the word that's used, will lead to sinful behavior, which will lead to an association with sin. The Bible wants us to know that there's a gradual descent into wickedness. We don't wake up one day and realize that we're fully wicked. Rather, there's a course of action. 
Maybe you've always wondered, how can people be so wicked? Well, here you go. Verse 1 is saying that the one who gets advice from wicked people will then sin and they will eventually identify as a wicked person. He uses the word sit there because we sit with our friends, most likely. It means that you identify with them. In fact, it's rather pretty rare that you sit with a random person. In fact, some of you might even squirm thinking about going up to a random group of people and sitting with them. Your friends, however, you identify with them. Even if your friends are weird, you still identify and you sit with them because they're your weird friends. But we see here in this verse that there's this casual progression. When you live wrong, you take counsel from the wicked, you will then act wicked, and then you join the wicked. In fact, one commentator said, think, behave, belong. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God, and I say this to your shame. He says, don't be deceived. Why? Well, because it's really easy for us to be deceived or to think this way. We might say, well, my friends, they can't affect who I am, or maybe they're the cool kids. But we see here that bad company ruins good morals, is what 1 Corinthians 15 says. That it affects us. Galatians 5, chapter um, chapter 5, verse 7 through 10 says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, and I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Paul is saying, you are doing great. Who stopped you from obeying the word? A little bit of something ruins the whole thing. He uses the word leaven. I remember the first time I ever baked and I used leaven, I used way too much and it exploded. He means here that a little bit of something is, can ruin it. Maybe he could have said a little bit of dye changes the whole color if, if you're not a baker and you're an artist instead. But the idea here is that bad company is the thing that can ruin our morals. We don't need to be ruined even when we're running well. And all of this makes sense, right? If you're getting bad advice... You're going to do bad things, and then you're going to keep on doing bad things. However, there's also a warning here. The Psalms wants us to know that there's also the scoffer, and we need to be careful of the seed of the scoffer, especially in our culture. It's a coveted place because we love scoffers. They make us laugh. They're funny. They don't care about anything. Most modern TV shows about them. However, they're the ones that can make you feel stupid for following Jesus. And if you listen to them too long, you will walk like them and you will become like them. Jesus often, in fact, faced mockers all the time, not only in his death, but in his life as well. But it says here that they're foolish because they get us to think, how can God take on human skin? How can God save us? That's just silly. Why do you go to church? They might seem smart and witty, but the Bible says here that they are fools. Now, The blessed person does not do this. He does not think like the wicked. In fact, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The blessed person is on a different path. The path of pursuing the law of God. We would say God's word is his delight, actually. 
He uses the law because David is referring to the law of God, what we would call the Torah. And he delights in it. When we often think of our favorite Bible verses, not many of us think, you know what, Numbers, it's my favorite book ever. Leviticus, love it. The law just means instructions. The Bible's not a list of a bunch of laws to obey, but all of God's teaching is about how we live with God and other people. So when we think about these verses, think about what delights you. Because the delight is in the law of the Lord here. So what delights you? Is it pizza? A movie? Getting handed a $100 bill? Legos? Where is your true joy found in your life? The Bible here wants to make a really direct statement that it's not your video games or Netflix or your friends. They can bring happiness, sure, but they're not true joy. But what makes a person truly happy is God's word, especially when he or she meditates on it. Maybe you never actually thought about this before, that God wants you to know that whatever is making you happy is not real happiness, but real happiness is available for you. And I also will admit, when the Bible says meditate day and night, sometimes we just don't know what that means. We've heard of the word meditate, but how do we actually meditate? Do I cross my legs and hum? The foundation for meditation is that we first actually read our Bibles. We can't be influenced by something if we don't know it. If you were to say, you know what? I'm a huge hockey fan. I love the culture and the rules and how you take a soccer ball and you score it into hoops. Mm, hockey is fantastic. People would look at you funny because that's not hockey. Maybe to use not a sport analogy, maybe you say that you love painting and you just grab a bunch of Legos, smash some chocolate into it, and you say, wow, look at my painting. It's amazing. But you don't actually know what painting is, nor does that person know what hockey is. As we read our Bibles, we think about the words we're reading, and we actually can meditate on them in a few ways. Maybe you can pray about them. That's a great way. As you read the Bible to be praying through them, we can write them on post-it notes so we see them throughout the day. So I know some people who write it on their hand. Uh, you can listen to music on it. You can memorize it. These are all ways that we can meditate on God's word. But the goal for it is to look at it long enough to see the value and to have our hearts change. That's the goal. To see it long enough to see the value and to have our hearts change. Because we don't master God's word, I heard it said once. We let it master us. Too many times we read the Bible because we think we just have to. Or we do it and it's only between us and the thing we really want to do. We treat it maybe like taking out the trash or washing the dishes. It's something we must do before we go on to the next thing. Or potentially we, we don't even read it at all. And I think that gives us a challenge right off the bat here that David is saying that he delights in the word of God, that he loves it. And I think that's a challenge in my own heart. And there's a reason for it because in verse 3 he says he or she, of course, the person who reads and meditates on God's word, they, he, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. He uses the picture of a tree. If you read God's word, think of a tree, the tree that is watered and nourishing. 
It's saying here that God's word is nourishing. It stabilizes us. It's fruitful to our lives as water is to a tree. Notice as you can make this really practical. What happens if your tree never gets watered? Some of you have plants in your house that you've never watered before. What happens? Well, they die. This might be a thought for us. Maybe there's a few of us who are really thirsty and we don't even know it. Maybe we haven't read our Bibles in a couple of months. The Bible wants to let us know that we're probably thirsty. Lord, in my own life, there's times where it's dry seasons because I'm not opening the scripture and we have to pray, Lord, forgive me. We sometimes live our lives as dried out Christians and wonder why God doesn't speak to us or why things are not turning out. But notice here that he says the person um, who reads his, his word, they're the person that prospers and they are sustained when hard things happen. If we live God's way, we're not going to be blown over when storms come. If you live God's way, you're going to be rooted and you can endure in hard things. It's not some magical formula. When we see God working in amazing ways in people's lives, it's probably because they're rooted in God's word. And the challenge here is to be rooted so that ultimately there's going to be fruit in our lives. It's a beautiful picture of a tree by this river that's just sustained and has fruit. It says in its season, its leaf isn't withering and what it does, it prospers. But there's a contrast here. The wicked, it says, however, they're not so. It says, but are like a chaff that the wind drives away. The wicked, they don't thrive. They don't treasure God's word. In fact, they mock God's word. It says they're not like the tree at all. They're actually, chaff is the word. One commentator says that's unstable, worthless, and fleeting. That might look strong, but it actually amounts to nothing. Chaff is the waste of the grain. It was left behind. It had no value. It gets thrown out. It's light and it doesn't matter. You literally would toss it in the air and it would blow away because it was worthless and it was weightless. Or you could blow it and be gone in the wind. That's way different, right? That's a way different picture between the tree and the chaff. And we go on and read, it says, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. These are great verses for us to think about. In closing, we might ask ourselves, why does the blessed one flourish? Well, God's watching over them. God knows you and he loves you. The wicked here, they don't have anyone looking out for them as the blessed person does who loves God's word, who reads it and meditates on it. So then we look around us or we have thoughts maybe that Christ isn't winning or maybe we think that he's not with us. We feel alone or tired. We have to think about this passage and meditate on it. We need to remind ourselves that we can receive guidance from the Lord instead of the fools in the world around us. And the one who receives from the Lord is like a tree planted by living water. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not chaff and you don't blow around in the wind. We need to be rooted in the word of God. That when we read this, we see that true blessedness and happiness is found walking with God. As we are nourished and prosper in the word of God, 
What a great picture, right, for us to meditate on today as you go do whatever the Lord has in front of you. To think about a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. All because our delight is the word of God. I hope you meditate on that today. Think about it. I hope this blesses you and encourages you and gives you something to think about. Um, If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at ya.ccphilly.org or come by on a Monday. We can chat about this. But until then, be blessed, guys.